Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. Great to be with you. Our title today is Become a Leader Who Cages and Tames Tigers, Part 2. And actually, I'm going to focus on taming tigers in particular and creating healthy culture. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the 10 top questions that come to me repeatedly uh, around this issue of creating healthy culture and taming tiger behaviors that's, uh, that are unhealthy. Now, once I began this journey of emotional healthy discipleship in 1996, that's actually when I began to even address tigers and tiger behaviors in order to protect our values and, and culture. And the reason I didn't do it prior to 1996 was I, I was just very unaware. Uh, I had low differentiation. I, I needed validation from people so much that I, I ran away from conflict. I was very averse. I was unaware of my own family of origin, genogram material, and I didn't do feelings. Uh, so like many ministries, and you know, I, I led one where we, where we had a, re- a rhetoric of values that came out of our strategic, strategic meetings, and, but we didn't do the hard work of actually following through on them and make sure that we were embodying them and living them, especially as a leadership. And then our success, you know, we, we kind of took the Western culture's definition, which was, hey, our numbers are pretty good, and so we're good. Why rock the boat too much? So last week, uh, I talked about uh, a parable or a fable by Ed Friedman called The Friendly Forest as a place to take off on my comments. And I'll just retell the fable very quickly here and then transition into my the taming of uh, tigers. So the, the, the fable of Ed Friedman goes like this, that once upon a time there was a friendly forest that lived you know, all kinds of animals. And uh, a, lamb was, a lamb was there that found out that the leadership had let in a, into the forest a, a tiger. Uh, that wanted to live among them. And so everyone was very happy. But then every now and then a tiger would emerge in the woods and and growl towards the lamb. And the lamb was very uncomfortable at this tiger being part of their community. And uh, every time she tried to go on to her life as usual, they said, maybe you're being too sensitive. Uh, Friends say, don't worry. That's just how tigers are. No harm has really befallen you. But then over and over again, the tiger would find herself feeling threatened by the tiger. And so the lamb uh, eventually had to make a decision to leave uh, the forest because the cost for her was just too great. And then the, the, the other friends in the friendly forest said, well, surely this whole thing can be worked out. Maybe it's just a misunderstanding that can be easily resolved if we just sit down together and communicate. But then another animal of the forest who was less subtle said, I never heard of anything so ridiculous. If you want a lamb and a tiger to live in the same forest, you don't try to make them communicate. You cage the bloody tiger. And the application of that fable really had to do with the differentiation of leadership. That healthy, differentiated leaders know their values, uh, aren't aren't, uh, swayed by pressure from other people, and they have the courage to cage a tiger when necessary out of love for the community. There are cases like that. And that uh, if you don't do that, you're leaving the community open to a lot of harm, uh, and you're missing an opportunity to actually define what is healthy and unhealthy and acceptable and unacceptable within a community. And actually, in those intense moments of those kinds of conflicts, actually are gifts from God given to us to actually mature into more differentiated, more mature Christ-like leaders. It's the route to maturity. But today I want to focus more on the caging, not the caging of tigers, but the taming of tiger behaviors. Uh, in other words, that unless we address behaviors that are not healthy or mature, we actually limit the community's growth into maturity, uh, as well as, of course, the person involved in our own maturity. 
So uh, we want to create a healthy culture. That's what we're after here. And, and so if you've never seen the ebook, it's a free ebook we offer online. Well, what is it? What is a healthy culture? Uh, I, it's called Six Marks of a Church Culture That Deeply Changes Lives. I want to encourage you to get it. It's free. It's on our website at emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture, emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture. And it lays out six uh, qualities of a healthy church culture, slow down spirituality, integrity and leadership, beneath the surface discipleship, healthy community, passionate marriages and singleness, and every person a full-time uh, minister. And uh, just to give you a sense of this is what we're aiming at, this kind of a healthy culture. But the question is, how do we get there? And that requires the taming of tiger behavior. It's not just the caging of those who are quite serious on the output on the range of pathology or uh, inability to restrain their behavior. The leadership actually has to step in. But now I'm talking about just tiger behaviors that were that happen in every community that need to be addressed. And if they're not addressed, lead to all kinds of problems. And so, again, remember, you have a mission, whatever you're leading right now, whether it's a young adult ministry or a church or a nonprofit or a worship team or any kind of ministry or a marketplace ministry, you've got a, you've got some goals, you've got a mission, but we're talking here about the quality and, and how you actually get at it, the integrity of your, uh, of your ministry. And so let me just lay a, a theological foundation. Let me make a few comments here. Uh, and then I want to go into the 10 most common questions that come up around, you know, how to do it. Uh, the first is, is that, that, that emotionally healthy leadership, at least, understands itself as we're reparenting people in the new family of Jesus. In other words, we see as our role that as people come to Christ, they come out of their families of origins and culture, they come to Jesus, and they're adopted into the new family of Christ, and they're part of a church. Uh, part of a ministry, and and that our job as leadership now is to do reparenting to help them learn how do I live in this new family? How do I how do I live out practically what Scripture lays out to me in family? So, for example, as a a fellow highly critical, uh, I'll call him Joe, uh, just tends to just he, he just you know got, uh, you know coming out of his family background, he's just he's got a judgmental, critical tone uh, that just comes right out of him. Uh, and so to tame that tiger behavior, uh, it's not about caging him and removing him from the community, but it is got to be addressed. And, uh, you know, I, I've addressed them multiple times. Other people have as well, which is good. And he's slowly, slowly changing. And I, uh, another person, we'll just call him Harry, who does a lot of mind reading. He's got a lot of anger. Uh, he's come a long way, but he's had to learn to apply what we call emotionally healthy skills Uh to relationships because his relationship formation and his family of origin was so twisted. Uh, and so he, even though he's now in his 30s, his uh, in conflict under distress, he would just revert right back to uh, reactivity, anger, attacking. And he had to learn to speak <clears throat> clearly and respectfully and honestly in a timely fashion, learn to listen. Uh, he had to learn to, to say, I'm puzzled, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and another tiger behavior that came up recently uh, that needed a reparenting moment was, I mean, our, our church at New Life is very multiracial. And uh, we had an example of a, a uh, uh, one of the persons in leadership saw that we had a, a table at the uh, at one of our courses, spirituality courses, uh, that was all Filipino. And it seemed to contradict our values as a church of bridging racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. We didn't do it for other ethnic groups. Why is it happening there for Filipinos? And uh, he was ready to just stop in and, and, and shut it down uh, and say, this, you know, this is not how we do things here. 
uh, because one or two people had complained to him and uh, it was very fascinating. And so it was a moment of, if you had shut that group down, again, in our context, he, he was newer in our church over the last few years, didn't have a long history of how that group even emerged to occasionally meet like that. Uh, and if you had shut that down, it would have really been violent for the people in the group uh, and for the people who had had a long history over decades working with that community. And uh, so it was, a, it was a moment to do some mentoring uh, and to intervene. Uh, and he responded very well, but it took some energy and time to tame what would have been a tiger behavior before it actually happened. And uh, so the list goes on, you know, from someone talking too much in a group that's killing a small group and actually having to, you know, speak to her, uh, you know, aside so that the group is not killed. That's a she doesn't even know it's a tiger behavior uh, or another fellow. Uh, again, I think a leading group was just not, not being present, but very gifted, very smart and having to be, to be talked about. Hey, listen, you, know, you need to be present and help him what that might look like and talk about it. So, so I, we understand as leaders, we're reparenting people in the new family of Jesus. We're all, in a, in a sense, learning to live in this new family of Jesus. But we're also recognize that this is slow work. Uh, this kind of work of creating healthy culture, taming tigers, it takes a lot of time and it's very slow. Uh, you know, I was with someone uh, recently on the phone about, uh, he was very concerned about people not following through on commitments. And he was talking about actually ministries around the country. Uh, and he runs a, a large parachurch ministry. And as we talked about it and and him having to have some conversations with people and dealing with power, people dealing with could, helping people understand that when you make a promise, you actually follow through with it. Your yes is yes, your no is no. But the kind of mentoring in those situations that he needed to do with the people under him was very high level uh, and it was going to take him time. It wasn't going to happen in one phone conversation. Uh, he probably need to get in there and do it with them uh, maybe a couple of times because what he was asking some of the people under him to do was a very high level uh, conflict resolution, uh, mentoring, uh, lack of integrity moments that happen in ministries very commonly. And he really wanted it to not happen. And I, I told him I really appreciate it, but this is going to take some time to, to mentor on this level. And uh, you know, Jerry and I recently just even had a, had a in this whole slowness and things taking a lot of time, we, we were um, talking about someone that we've done some mentoring with. And uh, and having to really think through how do we address some of the dynamics happening that we observe in his life in a couple of emails. And had to, I had to read it carefully, go back to some other emails we've sent, going back and forth, look at trends, pray, ponder. Uh, and then I took some first steps. But it was just interesting how even a moment like that uh, took me some, you know, took a few hours and got me, and now I'm started on a journey of, of following through. And But this, this whole creating healthy culture, EH leadership stuff, it's just slow and takes a lot of time. And then finally, of course, we, you know, a third just foundational theological comment is we must embody uh, the culture and the values that we want to create and see in whatever ministry or organization that we're leading. That, you know, as Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So those are some foundational elements. But let me just jump in now, right, to the 10 top questions around taming tigers that come up uh, when we think about, okay, I'm, I'm in this ministry, I'm leading this ministry, but this stuff happens, what do I do? So here's the first question. Pete, I hate conflict. In fact, I have an allergic reaction to it. So this idea of taming tiger behaviors uh, just gives me a knot in my stomach and I want to run. Well, my response to you is choose your pain 
uh, because the short-term pain is going to be a lot less than the long-term pain. Jordan and I like to call it clean pain versus dirty pain. Dirty pain is stupid pain. It, you know, we don't address things and it just gets worse and it gets really complicated. And we end up, you know, spending a lot of time and hours and angst about stuff that could have just been resolved much more quickly and easily if we had done it uh, up front. Th this actually was me. I, this was the make or break for me. I, I, and I realized if I didn't begin to address tiger behaviors uh, in the ministry I'm, that I'm leading, that I, I, I realize I, I'm in big trouble. And actually, so to encourage you who are younger listening, I've been a, I was a lead pastor nine years. Uh, I was 38 years old. That's when I actually began to address tiger behavior. Uh, I just didn't because I hated conflict. And uh, I didn't like conflict in my marriage, in my parenting. It all went back, of course, to my family of origin. Uh, and I realized that this was God's gift to me, to grow up, to mature, to learn. Uh, and this actually, this is your turn. This is your opportunity to grow up and to relearn what you didn't get, perhaps in your family of origin and maybe in your culture. Uh, but it's going to require that you do the inner work, the genogram work, maybe some therapy. You address the gaps in your own discipleship and you get some mentoring. Uh, but the Tame Tigers, you're going to have, uh, you, you are, you're entering into conflict. And I used to tell God, listen, Lord, I, I, I'm too much of a feeler. I'm the wrong person to pastor and lead anyone. Uh, and you need someone with a much tougher skin. But then I realized over time, no, it, it's, a, it's good that I was a feeler. Uh you know, the Lord doesn't need narcissistic people to just, you know, roll over folks. So I would feel, I think I was softer as a result, but I would feel people's pain. But think about it for a moment. What are your choices? For me, it was either grow up and lead or shrink back and cave in. Uh, and I, yes, I, I know it's going to feel like death initially. It's going to be so hard for you initially to actually confront uh, tiger behavior but you will release resurrection life. So yes, you're going to the cross and you're gonna die, but I can promise you, you're gonna have a resurrection. You personally, the person you're dealing with and the ministry that you're leading. Otherwise, it's like the book of Judges. Everyone does as they see fit because there isn't any leadership. Uh, it's just chaos. So that's number one. Second common question that comes up a lot. Pete, what do I do if I'm not the person in charge of the team, but there's tiger behavior all around me? Well, uh, there's lots of factors around answering this question. You know, I, what's your level of history uh, with the persons or on the team? You know, what's the what's your relationship uh, with the team leader, with the persons? What's the level of safety on the team? What's the larger culture like? So, you know, I don't, I don't, unless I get some nuanced answers to that question, it's hard to answer. Um, it, you know, you know it can be better. So what do you do? Here's some options. You know, one is you can appeal and go directly to the person if you can. Again, if you've got the kind of relationship that you feel like it's it's good, depends on, again on the issue. I I may talk to the team leader, uh, and again, hopefully your 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 motive needs to be really clear. It's really loving. It's not vindictive. Um, and if the team leader is open, they may he or she may just need some help or encouragement. Uh, but again, you've got to make sure your own heart is pure in that. So it's got some complexity if they're on your team, and uh, if, but if you've got enough relationship, you can do quite a bit um, with that person. And I, I, in some ways, it's easier for you to go than the team leader sometimes because you're not a you're a co-leader, uh, you're a co-worker, you're a peer, uh, not the person in authority. Okay, what do I do, Pete, if the person who's manifesting tiger behavior is my supervisor? Well, well. <clears throat> 
first of all, you got to ask yourself, what is God saying? What's he doing? What's he saying? I mean, for example, there there are times when God, I believe, has us under leaders that are not healthy. And he's in it. He's in that. I I think of David with Saul. For years, David was under Saul, who uh, was trying to kill him, who was jealous, who was not walking with God. We see that all through 1 Samuel 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and through the rest of 1 Samuel. And, and it's amazing how David just submits to him as to the Lord. I I just say that because I, I had for years, and before I became a lead pastor, it seemed like I was under leadership a lot that did not have the gifts or certain gifts to be in leadership. Uh, and I, I, it would be easy for me to be critical, etc. But I, I knew it was God breaking me and teaching me patience and humility. And So you got to ask a question, what's God doing inside of you? In the process, I think of Daniel one as well. I, I think of the, the you know Nebuchadnezzar was very rigid, uh, as well as the captain of his guard when he said you cannot eat you, you must eat the royal food. Um, but Daniel appealed, you know, he actually appealed in a very humble way uh, to those over him. So I, there are cases where I've had people over me where I've gone directly to them out of love. Uh, now some of you are listening in your culture, and you may say never would I go to someone authority over me and correct them or bring any kind of rebuke. Well, again, it depends on how you do it in great humility and humbleness. And I think there is a biblical uh, case. Uh, I, I think it's wonderful if your culture honors those in author- you know those who are older in authority. That's a beautiful quality. We need more of that here uh, in American culture. However, uh, it's not an absolute. And there are biblical examples of actually appealing to those in authority in, in great humility. And again, if there's not love there, don't do it. If you, if, you, if you don't have love in your heart, it's about you first. And uh, But again, and again, there's times when the supervisor's tiger behavior is of such a level of toxicity that it's so damaging uh, that there are times you need to get out from under it uh, in, in extreme cases. So I'm not saying that's ever a no-no um, as you look at the damage being done, but uh, I would look at other opportunities to resolve it if at all possible although that's sometimes not the case. Number four, what do I do with my perfectionism? Uh, you know, Pete, I, can, I see all the tiger behaviors around me, and I'm a one on the Enneagram. Again, a one, an Enneagram it, it sees, sees things. You know, it's got the perfectionistic thing, see, sees detail. It's a gift with a shadow, like every gift has shadow to it. Now, you can see what's wrong. You can see all the taming that's needed around you, kind of like people with prophetic gifts. And just remember, Jesus saw everything, uh, yet he was wise, he was timely, he was incredibly patient. I, I have a bit of a perfectionism in me, a, a one in me. I mean, I'm a four, but I, I, I can see things. And, and the gift is you can see it. But the factor is, number first of all, your maturity and your softness. That is your ability to be patient. Uh, there are times when uh, I've seen things and gone after them but it was not wise. It wasn't good timing. It came out of anxiety. Um, and I've learned through, in two ways, one, my work with young adult leaders, and secondly, having adult children now, uh, that so often uh, it is best to leave things unsaid if they're not asking for help or questions. Just let it go. They're not asking. They're not asking because they're not asking right now. They're not interested. They're not open. It's not, that's not what God's doing inside of them. And uh so, so this, what do you do with your perfectionism is you need a mature friend, therapist, mentor, someone who knows you and can give you healthy feedback uh, because you can be dangerous. Um, and uh, 
it's a gift that needs to be honed well and um yeah i mean I, I think i've had a very i've had a very helpful folks around me over the years at the same time you want to be careful in your perfectionism you don't miss the progress to celebrate because there is so much good happening around us too that if you've got that perfectionistic bent you can miss the celebrations around you so remember god's not a perfectionist uh it's human to make mistakes and be imperfect and uh you know it's okay uh and we got to carry that as well all right number five what do i do if taming or addressing tiger behavior creates an unsafe environment what do i do if taming or addressing tiger behavior creates an unsafe environment in other words you unleash something that's very unhealthy too now listen a healthy team has two major qualities to it one there's a there's a, there's a there is a hierarchy everyone understands it everyone works for somebody you recognize uh, when someone else has the call and you're not angry at them, and that's why you have a board, etc. That's the first thing. Yeah, there's a healthy hierarchy. But secondly is, are you safe? How safe is this team? Uh, if I disagree with you, do you create safety? And we do this by not reacting or defending. And safety is created by dialogue. dialogue. A great team, the secret sauce of a great team is safety. Now, let me ask, if you were going to rate the safety factor of your the team that you're on or the team that you're leading on 0 to 10, what would you give it? Um, so say someone says to me, you know, Pete, you're an inadequate leader. Uh, now, they say it even aggressively. Now, if I say to them, well, hmm, tell me some areas that I'm an inadequate leader. Now, I just create some safety, didn't I? Or, or, or you know, someone says, you know, you never do this. And you ask, well, how did you experience that when I did do that? You know, or, or I hate your sermons. You know, what do you hate about them? Uh, now, if I begin to ask questions, or I, say, well, I hate your sermons, and I say to them, who cares what you think? Well, now you know it's not safe. So the majority of our job as, as leaders is to create safety, and we do this by asking questions, by dialoguing. Um, you know, why is this important to you? Help me understand it. Uh, again, what kills safety in, in, a, in, a, in a team is no one actually listens. And so you can even ask your team, what's one thing... I, you could do to make it more safe. And somebody might say, well, those emails you send are deadly. Or, you know, when I say something, you get defensive or you see it as an attack. Uh, you know, you can just seeking to become less defensive, less angry. If you, you know, when you're angry and defensive, you know your safety rating is going down. Uh, in fact, you could ask your team every month or two months, you know, how's our safety rating going? What can we do to make it safer for one another as a team? Um, and you kind of keep these ongoing processes as a group. Are we asking enough questions and, and probing? Or do you feel hurt? Are we in good shape? And you ask them kind of open-ended questions just to, 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 to create a safe environment. You, safety makes it much easier to deal with tiger behaviors because we're all going to have tiger behaviors at times. And uh, it's, you know, it's not talked about very often among teams and cultures and churches even how safe is it. But it really is a critically important factor. All right, number six. What do I do when there's so much tiger behavior out of order in our culture? What do I do when there's so much tiger behavior out of order in our culture? Well, first of all, uh, limits. You're, you know, what's God asking you to do? What order? We're not God. But you got to ask yourself, you know, what, what, Lord, how would you have me begin to maybe approach a few things? And again, it may be that this is more about you than about the culture. You know, who knows? But you want to prayerfully ask God. Uh, and I've been in this spot about discernment and about pace, 
keeping in mind this whole safety issue and about relationships. Uh, and then I, I would begin to acknowledge your own limits, but ask God for a slow pace, when I, a slow plan. When I first started this journey in 1996, again, my journey in emotional discipleship was a journey into um, taming tigers uh, and caging a few as well. Uh, and it really was out of my comfort zone. But I really felt like at this point, I'm beginning to actually lead our church somewhere and we're going to actually live our values and what we're saying we're about. But I had, to, I, and I saw so much out of order and I created it to be out of order. And uh, over, it was years. And I slowly began to address uh, tiger behaviors, first in myself, of course, uh, and then the folks I worked most closely with and then outward from there. Uh, but I didn't go in like a bull in a china closet. I went slowly. All right, number seven. Uh, what do I do if there's sin in my life and I feel like a hypocrite taming tigers? What do I do if there's sin in my life and I feel like a hypocrite taming tigers? Well, um, you want to get some help, all right? And I've heard this uh, more than once. Now, there is a sense where who is worthy of such a task, you know, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians. I mean, who am I to, to be in the name of Jesus taming tiger behaviors? Uh, Paul didn't feel like he was worthy. I don't feel like I am either. So we're not talking about being perfect because none of us are. But I think if we're honest, we're broken, we're in touch with our shadow, we're doing our inner work, we're, we're seeking to follow the Holy Spirit inside of us as best we can. It's not that we're sinless. But if you've got something you know that um, uh, is, is not resolved, you're not getting help for it, uh, you need to get that help, all right? Because if you're compromised, in a sense, you, you've been denutered, you've been crippled by something, uh, it's really important to you and your leadership that you get some help to address it. So please, please do that. Number eight, what do I do if the person with the tiger behavior is a friend on the team? I'm leading the team, but they're my friend. I'm in a dual relationship. Well, again, if you've, if you've heard me talk about dual relationships, it's really important because the question is, what are you primarily to them? Are you their friend or are you their team leader? And uh, it's very important that you sort that out, which is your primary role. What does God ask you to do? If God's called you to be a friend, and yet you're their supervisor, and you really can't supervise them because you're their friend first, you need to resign from being the supervisor. I, I came to that place myself um, as I got aware of dual relationships and how I was compromising my, my stewardship responsibility as the pastor uh, with staff and leaders. I realized either I get clear and lead and steward God's church. It's not my church. It's not my team. Uh, it's very difficult to do. I either resign or change the relationship. I just I chose to change the relationship, and and uh, because the church and the ministry doesn't belong to it belongs to God. You're going to pass it on to someone eventually. It's like handling somebody else's money. These are God's sheep. It's God's people. It's God's ministry. Uh, it's God's culture, and I want to pass it on in a healthy way to the person who follows me. But if you want popularity and validation. Uh, you're in the wrong kind of work if you're going to be involved in leadership in the name of Jesus. Uh, yeah, you're saying, I, I can't, I can't do it, I don't have it. And I said that, I can't do this, God. And I want to say to you, with him, all things are possible. Uh, God does want you to grow up. You can count on that and you will gain, you want to seek God's wisdom. You're not going to learn wisdom in a book. You're going to learn it through these kinds of experiences like seeking to tame tiger behaviors. But let me move on here to final two questions. Pete, what if the person doesn't listen to me that I go to? Listen, I've had that happen to me, and you will have it happen to you. Um, I can think of one where I did finally go to the guy, super gifted. I didn't address stuff that was going on uh, for years. And an issue came up uh, that I knew that if I went to him on this, and I knew I, I just needed to, uh, 
And I, I said, he may never forgive me for it, which is true, he didn't, uh, because he wasn't going to hear it from anybody. Uh, but I wish I had addressed it way earlier on when he first started uh, you know, working under me as a leader, but I didn't. So it may be that this is not the best place for them to serve Jesus, and they will move on. And I, I think that's that's normal. I, I And it's not so bad. Again, depending on your role, what's, your, what's the level of their responsibility? Uh, it may be something small, and they will get to it later from someone else. So, so you got to ask yourself, are you the person to address it with them? Uh, but if a person has listened to you, again, if you've done it hopefully out of a heart of love, your tone of voice was not judgmental, you did it as best you can in terms of safety and, and uh you know, you've got your skills down to speak clearly, directly, respectfully, and honestly. You know, you listened. You, um, you were safe and approachable. You, you did what you needed to do. Um, understand that is part of the loneliness of leadership, uh, and that will be a podcast for another day because there will be times that people will not listen to you. Finally, uh, most common question number ten that comes up. Pete, what if our culture as a ministry or as a church is Christian nice? We have lots of elephants in the room. We have lots of behaviors of tigers that are in the room that are not being addressed. What do I do? The the entire ministry functions like that. Nobody addresses uh, difficult things. And so my answer to you would be differentiate. Uh, Differentiate. You want to begin to do some teaching and equipping on what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, you know, we're part of the new family of Jesus first, that, that to be a Christian is to be a disciple. And uh, that means I'm going to learn how to live in the new family of Jesus and that Jesus is about true peace, not false peace. Uh, he did disrupt false peace. And he, you don't pretend that something's, that something that's wrong is right uh, in Jesus' family. We don't do that. And so, uh, you know, you want to get a hold of things like the emotional and other relationships course. You want to begin to teach some things about, no, we, we are the new family of Jesus. We're not doing the culture, wider culture. We're doing Jesus here. Uh, and that's really uh, the Christian nice and not, not a culture that's not confronting anything. You have an opportunity to actually bring in some discipleship uh, you know, under the word of God. That's really a gift that you can bring to the wider culture. And I want to encourage you to do it. So let me encourage you as we close here to, to pick up that book on uh, church culture matters. It's called Six Marks of a Church Culture That Deeply Changes Lives. Uh, go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture. It's a free ebook. It'll take you about 15 minutes to read, but it'll give you a vision of the six marks of a church culture that deeply changes lives. And it gives you a nice parameter as you think about what it might look like to tame tiger behaviors. You can also call them elephants in the room, but I like tiger behaviors because they really do hurt people and hurt the culture. And you're really serving them in discipleship moments, mentoring moments, and advancing the kingdom of God in very small but powerful ways in the long term. Thank you, everybody, so much. It's been great to be with you. I pray God's blessing on you, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Take care.